This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. On the line with us uh, right now is Mark. Mark was a client of Sands & Associates. He recently chose to file a uh, consumer proposal to deal with his debt situation. Mark, I can't tell you how happy we are that you've been able to take some time and talk to us. And and, uh, it's just so good for other folks to hear what other people go through uh, because things resonate and then they go, okay, this guy did it. Maybe I can or, or gives me some food for thought to take some action. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Great. So uh, I guess the first thing we want to hear about is uh, the situation that brought you, that got you in the door at Sands & Associates. Well, what happened was I had a couple of long layoffs over the last three years, and living in Metro Vancouver isn't exactly cheap. Mm -hmm. So you put those two things together, and as much as I tried to stay ahead, I just couldn't and after a while the spiral began and you're just getting further and further behind so um yeah that's pretty much what happened and how long were you laid off for mark that the first and the second time uh first time was about nine months and the second time was about 11 months that's oh, a, those are wow. very long periods of time yeah and I think the other thing, too, I'd just like to point out this uh, before you continue on, is that this is the kind of situation that you, that Sands & Associates mm-hmm. runs into. This is of no fault of your own, right, Mark? I mean, layoff is a layoff, and you don't have any control over that. That's that's right. You you don't. And your, your budgets are, you know, you're doing okay and everything when you're working, but as soon as you lose that income and now you're relying on EI, um, or some other form of, you know, savings or something that you might have when you're relying on something that turns out to be, you know, less than half of what you had, um, you, you, there's just no way. You just can't keep up. Yeah, and Mark, we talk a lot on the, on this show about, you know, how you can kind of protect yourself a little bit as to have an emergency fund, and the emergency fund we talk about is often six months of expenses, and yeah, that would, that would help, but, you know, you went through 20 months of a layoff here, so yeah, I think it's, it's no surprise here, not putting words in your mouth, but was it you started to have to use credit to just, you know, pay for some living expenses as the layoffs continued? Is that what happened? Yes, that's, yeah, it's uh, just more and more credit, and things just, just happened that to just keep going, you get into that spiral of, okay, how am I going to pay for this? Well, we're going to, we're going to do it this way this month and this way next month and next month. And it just keeps going. How long did it take you, Mark, before you realized that you were in the situation you were in and that you needed to ask for some help and get some help with it? I tried dealing with it on my own for about a year and a half. Um, I downsized my vehicle. I down, I cut my insurance coverage. I moved to a cheaper place. Um, uh, cut down on my food bill as much as I could. I cut everywhere. Um, 
just trying to keep the the head above water type thing. And Mark, did you have any debt before you were you were laid off, or was it suddenly that you really started to go into debt once the income got hit? I was able to keep up with everything. At that, I had student loan debt and mm-hmm. and uh, and um, stuff like that that I was keeping ahead of. But when you lose your, you know, half your income like that, it it kind of you gotta you gotta start cutting somewhere, and you just end up going behind and. You, you make the phone call. Can I pay this one next month? Can okay, will you let me do this much this month and this month? And you just back and forth, back and forth, and eventually you're just so far behind. Yeah, and Mark, I wanted to understand that a, a little bit because I know you know I've I obviously was not the first person you called to try to fix this this problem. You know, first you tried to deal directly with the creditors, as you were just saying. What was that like? Did you find that they were receptive to working with you? Was that you know the right thing to do for a period of time? Was there any good coming out of that? <laughs> funny you should ask. There was absolutely no good coming out of that. Oh, really? Um, okay. In fact, one of them even told me that I should buy a tent and then use my <laughs> rent money to pay my bills. That's wow. compassionate, eh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Un- exactly. Unbelievable. Because, hmm, yeah, I, I hear it from a lot of clients that, you know, the first thing we say is, well, talk to your creditors. You know, if you owe one person money and you can't pay them this month, maybe they'll allow you to, you know, pay next month or a lower interest rate. But what I hear again and again is, you know, usually it's that you need more credit because if you need more credit, we can maybe help you. But beyond that, there's not a lot of help directly from creditors. It sounds yeah, like that the, your the only The only one that was really willing to make any um, concessions was actually the federal government student loan. Okay. Um, otherwise, nobody else was even willing to to talk about any other ideas. And what were they willing to do? Was it in- interest freeze or you know suspend payments for a while? Uh, suspend payments for a while and then start with you know fairly low payments um, after that. So mm-hmm. it was um, they they were they were quite compassionate compared to just about everybody else. Right. So you made the decision to ask for some help, and you ended up going to Sands and Associates. Uh, what about the whole consumer proposal? That's what you ended up doing, but had you even heard about a consumer proposal before that? I had, um, but I, I was hoping that I, I was hoping that I wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, um, but. You know, when I sat down and and I'd heard the ads for Sands and Associates before, and once I started to think about it, that yes, okay, maybe this is what I need to do. And how was your overall experience from the from the start? It's so easy, so exceptionally easy, and and overall really quick, like a matter of two or three weeks, and uh, we had things on track and fixed. That's great, Mark, and and I know I, I'm happy you're on the show because you and I dealt um, directly at, at every step here. So I wonder just to give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what what people go through. So you know, the first meeting you you walked in the door, you hadn't met me before. Um, can you give me your sense of you know that meeting? What were you expecting, and, and what actually happened there? Well, I the first thing I noticed, Blair, was there was no judgment mm-hmm. as to how how I ended up in your office. Um, you were just you just wanted to help, right. and it didn't matter how I got there. Um, you just wanted to help, and that was really the like wow. That was a wow moment. Oh, good. And um, you know that uh, that kind of built the trust right there, and uh, 
you know, once we once we went through the solutions, it was, you know, it was easy to accept. And what was the end result, Mark, in terms of what did you what did you come out with after you guys figured out what you could pay and and uh, and how to move forward? How did all that go? Uh, really well. Um, I'm I don't remember exactly what the the percentage in in total debt reduction was. Blair may remember that, but I know there was a significant reduction and. Um, and the payments are something that I can easily handle right now. So uh, it was a really good process. I really enjoyed actually working with Blair. And it must feel pretty terrific. It feels great. Um, for the first time in a long time, I'm you know not worried about um, not worried about uh, you know which one am I going to have to pay this month or not pay this month, and how much am I going to pay that one, and not going to have to figure it out. It's just like I pay once and and it's done. It's easy. It's it's so easy. Would you can you talk a little bit about your experience and and the impact that it that this process has had on your financial habits or how you think about money or how you think about debt? Have have any of those shifted? Well, I'm not definitely not using credit as much as I have, was um, using. You know, much much less. And that first counseling session was really good. Um, uh, talking with Blair's associate there for the first time was a couple of eye openers there. So um, just watching things better, staying, you know, making sure that I don't get behind or anything like that. And can you talk a little bit more about the things that really your eyes were open to for the first time? How easy, um, how easy it is to get into that situation. Like, it, you'd be surprised one paycheck away from being there, right? And then how, uh, just how easy it is to get get behind and things like that. It's, um, but it can happen to anybody. Yeah, I, th- I think your, your words are, are just so on, on point, Mark, in that, um, you know, as Elaine said earlier, you were doing everything right, and suddenly you got laid off, and, you know, most folks would be in the same situation, 20 months of reduced income or no income. Um, you know, if you weren't in debt before, then you're going to be in, in debt after. Um, so I think it's really impressive to just hear um, that you've been able to go through the consumer proposal and, you know, maintain a very positive attitude. I can just hear it coming through that, you know, you got optimism as you move forward. Um, I wonder, Mark, what would you, uh, what words of advice would you give to somebody who might be facing a similar situation? Because I know some people are so self-critical and they think reaching out to a trustee, you know, it's an admission of failure. And, um, and you know, I know it's completely not that, but I think hearing it from someone who's been through it can, can mean a lot. Yeah. Um, don't wait. <laughs> um, the first signs of trouble, you need to talk to Blair. Um <laughs> Go talk to Blair and his team and, and at least see the options. Do not wait. Uh, the longer you wait, the, the worse it can get, and then you're in real trouble. And we've got a couple of uh, minutes left in this segment, and, and Blair, Mark's words mm-hmm. certainly aren't new to you. You hear this from folks who have come and sat down in front of you and laid out mm-hmm. their situation. 
Yeah, and you know, I hear a lot of the fears that that people have, and and Mark, I was so um, you know, if you could see me, you just see you know, chest popped up with pride when you said the first thing you felt was no judgment, because uh, that's exactly what we try to do at, at Sands and Associates. And I might have said this to you, and if not, I hope you feel it. But I know I could be in the same situation. You know, we're all just you know one job loss away, or one medical condition away, or one relationship breakdown away from having to seek help for our debts. So I think the more that people are hearing this and realizing that you know you getting help, it doesn't mean that you're feeling judged. This is the time when you can actually start to move forward. Um, I'm curious, Mark, as you said, you said a bunch of times, and I really believe it, that it's been a very easy process. What was the hardest part of it? Because um, I hear different things from different clients. Sometimes it's getting, you know, being forced to become organized and get taxes caught up and different things like that. What did you find was the most work you had to do to, to get things going? Um, I think the, the most work would be getting the getting the paperwork together, um, you know, confirmation of the bills and things like that. That was probably the most work I had to do. And even that wasn't that hard um, because, you know, they're sending you bills every day. So um, it, uh, it really wasn't a hard process. It was, it was so easy. Good. If you'd like more information or if this resonates with you, check out the website, Sands and Associates. It's sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, who are experts in helping you get out of debt. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. There's lots of times in life when we need solutions, and some of those solutions are best left to the professionals. When it comes to money matters, for example, there are top four professionals that every financially successful person should know. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Blair, who who are the top four people that we should know when it comes to looking after our finances mm-hmm. or dealing with our finances or if we're just going to start to deal with them? Who should we have on our who, in our toolbox? So yeah, on, on your team and the yeah. quiver, all, 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 that's, of those, all those, all those, all those metaphors, whatever, <laughs> right? Um, because, you know, Elaine, so many of my clients that come in to me, especially the self-employed folks, um, you know, they're really just searching for the right advisors, the right people to give them the right, you know, tools, right advice at the right time so that they don't get into trouble. Um, so I think today's segment is great because almost anybody listening here, if you're not aware of these professionals, you want to do a little bit of research. And certainly there are people in your life, in, in your life right now that probably could benefit from some help, even if it's not yourself. So let's go through, you know, kind of the, the top four, not to say, you know, these are the only four, but no. um, these are definitely four that I think a lot of people tend to overlook and it's to their detriment because there is benefit to working with these pros. Okay. Okay. Number one person we should be thinking about. Number one person is a financial planner. See, and that can be scary for folks, right? Because they mm-hmm. think, oh, this person's out to get something for me. I'm going to yeah. have to pay them big feet, blah, blah, blah. But why is it so important to have a financial planner? Well, the, the biggest thing that a financial planner is going to give you, and it's right in the name, is a financial plan. 
And the number of folks that are just, you know, essentially driving blind with no idea about financial goals, about where they want to end up in the future, um, you know, you're not going to hit your goals if you don't have them clearly defined, you're working towards them. So a financial planner, every good financial planner is going to set you up with a written financial plan that's going to have milestones, that's going to have check-ins, that's going to give you some comfort when you look at it, that if your goal is to retire at 60 with a certain, you know, private pension income, you know, here's what you have to do. If your goal is to take a year off in five years and travel the world, you know, here's what you have to do. You work with your financial planner to set goals, and they're going to help you get to achieve those goals in the best way possible. And if you feel it's a bit singular, like you're just thinking about yourself here, you can think mm-hmm. about it in a larger scale too. It's it's financial security for your family, yeah. if that's where your focus is. Yeah, I think one of the best parts about working with a financial planner, we've had a number of them as guests on the show here, is they can really integrate. You know, They can pull in the right insurance product at the right time to protect you if you got young children, you know, the right disability insurance product if your you know, employer doesn't have it. Um, they can determine the right fees and the right asset mix, the right asset allocation, just different things where the average person doesn't have time enough to become an expert here. That's why you would hire a financial planner. And if the first one doesn't fit fit mm-hmm. for you, then go to somebody else, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing is to find somebody that works. And that's a great point, Elaine, too, because sometimes we just default into using the financial planner at the same bank that we've always went to. Maybe our parents went to yeah. them as well. And, you know, nothing against financial planners that are associated with banks, but sometimes you want to look a little bit more broadly and, you know, someone independent they're going to have access to the bank's products, but they're not going to be beholden to them as well. Exactly. So as with anything in life, you want to ask the hard questions, you know, how is the person going to be compensated? Are they going to be acting in your best interest or their best interest? Because there are some differences. Yeah. You know, what are their qualifications? And then I would even ask, you know, do you have a couple of clients that you've worked with for a number of years, you know, not the last six months, five years or more, that would I could call and ask a few questions about your service? And if it doesn't feel right, move on to the next one. Move on. It's too important. Okay. Number two, who's the Mm -hmm. best person to have? Another one. Number two, and this is absolutely if you're self-employed or if you have any kind of complexity in your taxes, an accountant. You need an accountant if you're going to be dealing with CRA to file your taxes, to file your GST. A lot of the stuff you can do yourself, but the laws change so often. And the amount of folks that I see where they've just made honest mistakes over time, but an accumulation of honest mistakes to CRA can start to look like intentional mistakes. And then CRA can suddenly hit you with interest, with penalties, um, you know, different things like that that can make it really tough to get out of a tax debt. And again, if you've got an accountant and it's not working well, move on because there's lots and lots and lots of good people out there who have great ideas, who have lots of uh, information that can help you figure this out. Yeah, you got to find the right fit. You know, if you sit down with somebody and you get the sense that, you know, they're just talking for their benefit and using all the terms that you don't understand. And exactly. At the, at the end of a meeting, you've heard their voice, but they haven't heard yours. Well, that, that's not the right fit. Yeah. Right. And you don't need to go, you know, the, the large accounting firms, you know, the multinationals. Usually you can find a small accounting firm in your community. You can find, you know, some of the, the ones that advertise all the time about tax returns. That might even be fine for, you know, a small self-employed person. Um, but the big thing is just getting some advice because the number of people um, that I sit down with where they've gotten no advice and they've just gotten scared and paralyzed after a while, they just stop filing the taxes altogether. Sometimes people go 10 years not filing taxes, the government chases them, they're seizing their wages, they're always looking over their shoulders. If you've got a good accountant, the accountant will know, even if it's bad news, get that return filed because you don't want to be in the bucket of a non-filer with CRA, they'll throw the book at you. Another uh, another group of professionals that people tend to avoid as as much as they possibly can, and mm-hmm. in this case, 
no, you shouldn't. You should get somebody good on your team yeah. is a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, in many cases, it's probably a good sign in your life if you if you don't need a lawyer for sure. something, you know, catastrophic. But um, there are a number of situations where, uh, you know, having legal advice at the right time um, can really save you a lot of heartache later on, a lot of financial impact as well. So, you know, a couple of those situations, one would be beginning of marriage or cohabitation. So the BC Family Relations Act has changed in the last few years. You know, if you're dating somebody and spending a bunch of sleepovers, not quite married, so on and so forth, um, there's a chance that if that relationship breaks up, there could be some liability between the two partners for assets and for debts. Yeah. Uh, if you've worked with a lawyer prior to that, you could talk about a cohabitation agreement, a prenuptial agreement, different things like that. Even if you don't have assets to protect, if one partner has debt, you may want to consider, does it make sense to really set out our various obligations before we go further on into our relationship? And even if a, a prenuptial agreement, all those kinds of terms scare you, mm-hmm. it's much better to at least know about them yes. than to not know about them or to hide your hide 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 from it all. Oh yeah, just to put put the head in the sand, Absolutely. so to speak. You know, and definitely if you've been in an accident or there's been an injury, um, I would say you're almost always better served to have someone advocating on your behalf. And a lot of those lawyers will work on a contingency basis, so you mm-hmm. only pay them if they're successful for you. Yeah, or if you need them on an appointment per basis, and mm-hmm. all those. Lot, there's lots and lots and lots of flexibility yeah. in seeing a lawyer. One th- piece of advice I'd give our listeners here is if you don't know how to find a lawyer and you think you need one, there is the BC Lawyer Referral Service. So if you just type that into Google, BC Lawyer Referral Ser- Service, you can get referred to a lawyer. You pay $50 for the first consultation. Um, you know, $50 hopefully is not an insurmountable burden for most people and you'll definitely feel better You know yeah. that you'll get some advice there. Absolutely. And the fourth person, do-do-do, mm-hmm. you get to toot your own horn <laughs> oh, who could that be? Right? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah. So if if someone's listened to the, to the show for a period of time, I hope they would understand that a licensed insolvency trustee is not somebody that every client comes to see. We put them into bankruptcy. We put them into proposal, and we click next. You know, mm-hmm. an LIT is a financial professional that's going to look at someone in a debt situation, look at all the potential options that are available to them, and if they need help to restructure, an LIT is the only person that can either file a bankruptcy or file a consumer proposal. And for folks that are listening who don't have debt and hope to never be in that situation, that's great. And I hope we don't meet professionally. But in many, many situations, there's someone in everyone's life. But I would also think it would be you'd be a good person to see just to take a look at where I am right now, mm-hmm. for example. And maybe you see some pitfalls that I haven't yeah. seen yet, or I I haven't you know that I that I'm not anticipating. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I, that's part of the fun part of my job is sometimes sitting down with someone and saying, you know, I can see where you're going here. And if we, you know, do a proposal now, we head off and we stop the bleeding, we adjust the budget, we're going to avoid this catastrophe that's three or four years down the road. You know, I'll sometimes sit down with families and when we look at their budget, you know, there's a six or $800 gap between the income and the expenses. And we'll work hard on how do we close that? How do we get the debt payments down so that they don't have to dig deeper each month in debt? Excellent. So for information on any of the services that we've talked about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. We'll be back with more right after this.
Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Now in the studio, which is kind of nice, Fred Snyder, no stranger to CKNW. Uh, Fred's a Senior Vice President and Investment Advisor at Mackey Research Capital. He has over 40 years of experience as a financial advisor, uh, pretty passionate about the need for financial education. He also hosts, I'm sure you've heard him, on It's Your Money, a weekly radio show airing Sundays from 7 to 8 here on CKNW, or actually on CKNW 980 AM. Welcome, Fred. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Lane, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it was very good. Blair said, oh, we got got to have Fred on the show. (laughs) Excellent. Um, So let's start. Let's talk about that financial planning process. You've been in the business a very long time. What are the, are there, there's probably some very key things uh, that we need to think about before we start to plan for our finances as we, as we go forward. Well, Elaine, there's an old cliche. And the old cliche goes, how do you get out of the hole? Mm. You quit digging. Quit digging. What <laughs> yeah. a good idea. Okay. How simple. <laughs> because really the fundamentals of financial planning are very simple. They're not complicated at all. Okay, it's the simple path. It's it's the simple plan that works the best. And I think the best plan is to have a budget. Mm-hmm. In other words, a spending plan. This is how this is how much money I'm going to spend for the roof over my head, my groceries, my traveling expenses, my insurance, etc. I have a budget. I budget to pay everybody. I pay myself first, and then I budget to pay everybody else. I think that's the key. Never mind your income. Sit down and make your budget first. Hmm. This is what I need to spend. And after you figure that out, maybe it's $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 a month. Then you say, where's the money come from? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to get the money? And if you can't find enough money to cover those expenses, guess what you have to do? Rebudget. You have to rebudget. Yeah. That's exactly right. And you know this, Blair. Oh, yeah. The, the people that come to Sands & Associates are the people that spend consistently more than they earn. Mm-hmm. Or they come into a, a problem or a situation yeah. where all of a sudden it's changed considerably. I, budgeting, I found, is one of the hardest things to do. Or not budgeting, but writing all that stuff down. But it's probably the most helpful thing uh, in terms of, of being able to figure out what's next. The best thing you can do, Elaine, is go to the Dominion Bureau of, St- Bureau of Statistics. You get all the numbers there. You know what the average person spends on groceries, mm-hmm. on car expenses, on on shelter, on insurance, etc., 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 and then compare what you're spending against that. So have a benchmark, and then to see that becomes you know? the benchmark. Yeah. That's exactly right. DBS statistics. Mm. Google it. It's right there. Cool. Okay. Very easy to do. What are some of the pitfalls? I mean, you've been in the business for a really long time. You've seen all kinds of people walk through your door to, to come and get some consultation and some help. Um, what are some of the things that people, bef- before they start the process, need to avoid altogether? I have stood in front of as many as a 1,000 people on occasion. And I always start out with one question. How many people in this room know how much money they have to put away systematically to achieve their financial objectives. You know how many hands I get? Not many, I'm betting. A few. <laughs> Every Two or time, three, right? maybe. Yeah. yeah. You can count on it. So I come to the conclusion that people don't know. And then I say, well, how many people in this room have a financial plan? A few hands. Hardly mm-hmm. anybody ever has a financial plan. 
Now, the most important thing that people can do is to keep a part of everything that they earn. And the only way you're ever going to do that is to have a plan. So if you don't have a financial plan, you can't get to first base. So, so what's the block there, Fred? Why do you think so many people it's, don't it's, have a it's plan? It's almost a mystery to me. Because <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fear. cost a lot of money, I, right? I, I think it's fear. Yeah. Take fear. Spell it out. That's an acronym. False evidence appearing real. Right. So the opposite of fear is knowledge. So when you have knowledge, it's easier. Face the music. Mm-hmm. Do you have a surplus or a deficit in your spending? And don't feel bad if you have a deficit. Look at the governments of the world. They all run <laughs> deficits. Okay? The Canadian government owes something like $650 billion. Yeah, it's crazy. Right now. And Trudeau is saying, we're going to spend another $30 billion on infrastructure, and we're going to borrow the money. Yep. And Trump says a trillion. And yeah. I'll bet you he's going to borrow the money, too. Yeah. It's pretty okay? scary, isn't it? Who pays for that? It's our kids. <laughs> yeah. We pay the, the interest expense on government debt right now is about 30%. Right. So 30% of the government's budget is interest. What percentage of your budget is interest? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Well, these are important numbers. Yeah, to know. I listen to people on the air frequently talking about government debt. And they don't know what they're talking about half the time. Because it's really not how much you owe that counts. It's what it costs you to owe what you owe. Mm Mm-hmm. Someone once told me that the amount of interest the U.S. government pays to China on the money they owe China is enough to finance the Chinese military. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That's uh, a lot. I don't know what the number is, but it's a lot. But it's a lot. So if I'm, <laughs> if I'm walking in the door uh, or about to walk in a door to get mm. some financial planning advice, what are, the, what are the kinds of things that I need to know uh, before I walk in the door, in a, in a in a probably a better situation than what you've described. If you come in the door for financial planning, you should come in with a financial statements of your investments, mm-hmm. a copy of your last tax return. Okay, uh, you need to know how much you spend. You need to know the life insurance policies that you have. You have a proper will. Do you have an enduring power of attorney? Do you have a representation agreement? These are all factors that you need to know. And maybe you don't know them all. That's no reason not to come. Okay, you start someplace. And what about the person that I've come to see? Because not everybody is as experienced or equipped to handle uh, the job, even though they tell me they are. What are some of the things that I should be looking for in a financial planner? Like I know there's a bunch of designations, Fred. I know um, you have you have a number of them, but myself, and I'm a financial guy, I don't know if I understand all, all the different financial there's planning designations. There's too many. They're very confusing. Yeah, they? Can you help the listeners understand how do they know they're going to the right person? You're a certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. That's a designation. Right. You're a registered financial planner. It's similar. Mm-hmm. Which one is the better one? Probably the RFP, the registered financial planner. Anybody that has a designation after their name, it means that they've done some exams. They've worked to, to acquire that designation. It means they're regulated as well. Uh, I'm working on my SIM right now, which my, is my Chartered Investment Management designation. And after all these years, I'm working on another <laughs> one right now. Yeah. Because I think that education is a lifelong process. As we speak, the rules and regulations and everything that we have to deal with change and they evolve and we have to stay up to date and most of us don't this keeps my mind fairly sharp 
when I focus on the designations that are out there. Sure. Um, You know, a chartered accountant, that's Mm -hmm. a designation. Sure, and and Blair's a licensed insolvency trustee, and we know that that I mean, that tells me something about him. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are people that don't have designations, okay? Some designations are grandfathered. There's, you know, I think the best thing to do with a financial advisor is say this, how many clients do you have? How many clients do you have? How do you service them? How do you look after your clients? Tell me about that. And if and who is your successor? Fair enough. Okay. And if they've got the answers and tell you, then that's a that's a good sign. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah, right. But if they don't, yeah. that's also a good start to yeah. know who you're dealing with. You got to start. The longest journey begins with the first step. So you have to take that step, whatever it may be, and probably the step if you've never done it before, is to make an appointment with a financial advisor. Or if, if you're massively in debt, make mm-hmm. an appointment with Blair, okay? We complement each other in exactly. terms of, yep. of what we do. You're the opposite of what should happen, mm-hmm. okay? When people are going to you, they're in the hole, yep. okay? But then when they emerge from whatever yeah. I can help them with, they're yeah. perfect for a financial planner to say, you're at ground zero now, yeah. you're a blank page, let's put together the right plan for you. We prepare pro bono, no cost, a written financial plan for people that come in to see us. And the software we use is called NaviPlan. If you get a firm that prepares financial plans to do that, the average cost of that is $3,000. We do it for zero. Now, Fred, I know something that we, we've talked mm-hmm. about, I know it's something you're, you're proud about, mm-hmm. is you know sometimes people think they have to have a certain level of net worth before they can start mm-hmm. to work with a, with a financial planner, you know, a minimum mm-hmm. account size. I know me, when I was out of school, I would have no minimum account size. If so, someone might have shut the door mm-hmm. to me, now maybe they wouldn't. How does it work with, with your firm? We have no minimum account size. So anybody, if they're yeah. starting off, you'd be happy to, to spend some time? I won't name the bank. Yeah. I was uh, with a uh, bank-owned brokerage firm for the last seven years. The reason I left is they made the minimum account size $250,000. Wow. I said, yeah. that's not acceptable. They don't want the individual starting out at that point. No, I mean, they like if you take the seed capital part of your life, it's usually between age 20 and 40. That's where you accumulate your seed capital. I don't, I've met a lot of people, and I don't think I've ever met anybody in that age category, or very, very few people, that have a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's in, a huge in, amount of In, in networking yeah. assets, okay? Very few, the odd one, maybe, if they inherited it, they won the lottery, maybe, or something, <laughs> but generally not, okay? So what the banks have done is throw that whole group of people under the bus. <laughs> That's what they've done. We, we, we only want the high net worth people. Right. That's disgusting as far as I'm concerned. Well, and it's often, I mean, there's probably a good percentage of those folks who don't need financial advice, one, because they, they're coming in with $250,000. But secondly... I think they do, though. Well, but I mean, I'm thinking about that whole other group that you're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that need the advice, need the help, mm-hmm. need the structure, need the budgeting, need sure. all of those things that you guys can give them. The firm that I started out in this business with, I used to sell savings plans for $16 a month. Wow. Okay, I was right. very successful doing that. That's many, many, that's 50 years ago, <laughs> okay? Times have changed. Yeah. We're dealing with much larger sums of money right now, but I think that people need to know certain things about their investments. I have an investment portfolio 
what is the risk and how do you measure it? Number one. Number two, what is the rate of re- the expected rate of return on that portfolio? What's its past performance? What's the expected rate of return going into the future? Uh, I need to know that as well. How were the investments within that portfolio selected? What was the selection process? Okay, and how do you embed all that in an overall financial plan? That's the key to the whole thing. And if you're not doing that, you're probably going to fail. If you want to hear more from Fred, uh of course, the, uh, the show, his show, It's Your Money. It's a weekly radio show. It airs Sunday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. on CKNW 980. Uh, the other thing is you can check out his website, MackieResearch.com. Fred, thank you so much for joining us. Elaine, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. <laughs> uh, I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So let's dispel a myth that only people who are bad at budgeting get to that point of needing some uh, debt management help. Because I'm pretty sure that's that's what we all think. I know I do. Right? That's the perception. It is. It's mm-hmm. the perception. It's a standard one. Uh, in today, you know, in today's age, yeah, you're just not able to manage your uh, your dollars and cents very well. But that's but that's not the case, right? Yeah. So even when um, Elaine, when I was studying to become a trustee, I started to wonder, you know, at some point, are we going to run out of people to help? You know, because at some point, everyone's going to learn how to budget. Everyone's going to learn these great tools, and then no one's going to need the help of a trustee uh, to go into bankruptcy or a proposal. Because I think a lot of us have this going in assumption that there's a huge element of mismanagement to somebody getting into financial trouble. I think for today, let's talk about, you know, the real facts behind it. Sometimes mismanagement is a factor, but there's often things just completely outside of a person's control that any of us could end up in that situation. And that show up out of the blue, completely unexpected, anything from uh, uh, death in the family to health issues, personal health issues, I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, you know how quickly your day can get derailed by something going on in your family. Uh, So yeah, so that happens to everybody. Yeah, it's basically life happens, and there's often a financial impact to those events. Now, through all your years of doing this, there must be sort of a set of common causes or or things that you see time and time again, uh, not having anything to do with mismanagement of of your own money. So let's talk about those. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, there's there's probably about four really core causes um, that, you know, come up again and again. And, you know, some of them do overlap a little bit. Um, But, you know, the number one thing, and this is not surprising by any means, but it's a lack of income. You know, it's, it's either they've lost a job, you know, someone had a great job for many years and we should all have an emergency fund built up, but maybe they weren't able to save that emergency fund or maybe it's it's gone out. Um, so they've, they've just had their income shocked, you know, they've, they've lost their job or they've replaced their job, but it's at a lower wage. Sure. So, you know, that that's huge. Now, often that also happens in retirement um, because every year in retirement, you know, your cost of living increases, um, but your pension is typically not indexed to the same amount if it's indexed at all. Absolutely. So a lot of uh, seniors, they find just every year their, their buying power is eroding uh, and that lack of income can lead to them getting into trouble with their debts. Sure. And those are two things that are completely out of your own control. Mm-hmm. Now, what 
about relationship stuff? Because that can always throw huge uh, wrenches into people's lives. Yeah. So that's definitely, you know, the second factor that we should discuss today is, is you know, relationship breakdown, divorce, separation. So one of the most disruptive things you can imagine emotionally, but incredibly disruptive financially also. Um, so you've got essentially the same expenses on half of the income. If you've got to go and reestablish yourself, you've got a bunch of upfront costs, you know, perhaps it's to furnish a new apartment, to give a first and last month's rent or to put damage deposit or things like that. You know, there could be childcare costs mm-hmm. if it's a relationship where, you know, one family member was staying at home and now not both have to work. You know, that could be it. You know, sometimes there's some, you know, horrible eventualities like a, a spouse passes away yeah. and, you know, suddenly that, you know, the income is gone. Maybe there's some insurance, maybe not, but, you know, the, the financial situation takes a big hit um, and definitely not <laughs> by a small factor, but just the legal fees. You know, if everything's amicable, that's great. But sometimes, you know, both sides get a lawyer. They use the lawyer as a weapon to get back at each other. And the only one that wins in the end is the actual lawyer. Right. Making lots and lots of money as Mm -hmm. a result of it. Um, So again, something completely out of our control. And also, you know, I was thinking as you were going through that list, we don't have control over the things like uh, uh, the cost of living, Mm -hmm. cost of daycare, cost of running a car now that you didn't have to before, insurance, all those things. So it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. And just, you know, the many things we pay for now that previous generations didn't have to pay for. You ever see a bottle of water in 60s, 70s, 80s? Not much, right? And everyone's carrying bottles of water around. A cell phone didn't exist back then, but hey, you're lucky if you're paying less than 70 or 80 bucks a month on a cell phone and usually a lot more. So it costs a lot more to live now. um, And, you know, unfortunately, wages haven't really increased along, along the same scale here. Okay, what else? Yeah, so, so moving along, so, you know, we talked about a lack of income, we talked about a relationship breakdown, definitely, you know, probably a third in magnitude or, or pretty close to number two there is medical issues. So, you know, you got sick, you had to take some time off of work, or you have to do this expensive therapy that as much as we have socialized medicine in this country, not everything is covered. And if you don't have a good employer-sponsored plan, you know, you could be out of pocket very significantly while you're going through some type of a, of a health scare. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's you had to retire five, 10 years sooner than you wanted to, and you just weren't financially ready, but your health gave out and there was nothing that you could do. Right. And the uh, the unforeseen accidents, things that just happen out of the blue, right? Yeah. Either at work or just walking across the street. Sounds very mm-hmm. dire, right? All these things that we're talking about that can yeah. happen. But I think it's good to sort of, for a juxtaposition, to change people's thinking that it's not just debt uh, management or poor management of your money mm-hmm. and leading you into debt, but there's a whole bunch of things. Yeah, uh, and how can you not be compassionate to someone in those, in those situations? So, you know, if that's something people take away from this. It's to understand if you see, hey, this person filed a bankruptcy, or this person, you know, made a consumer proposal, they probably did that after exhausting everything else that they could have done. And to deal with some of these issues that we've talked about, again, I don't see people that are out there to, you know, actively try to pay back less than they owe when they have the ability to do so. Exactly. Because I think everybody, for the most part, wants to, you know, is good to their word, right? And you've, yeah, yeah. I can't think of another way to explain it other than that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if debts, if your debts are out of control or, or, or let's, let's flip that around. Let's say they're under control and pretty good, but if you get a couple of things that now fall apart on you, yeah. then 
that again, I mean, even small, three small things, oh, yeah. like a rent increase, childcare increase, uh, car insurance, you know, little small percentages, and we hear about those all the time, yeah. that can whack you as well. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, there can be other factors too. You know, maybe you're self-employed and suddenly a large contract that you had decides not to pay or, you know, they go bankrupt or, or something like that. Sure. And that shocks you. Um, you know, maybe the condo that you're living in, hopefully not anymore, but there was a period of time when leaky condos in BC, you know, right. massive special assessments. So, you know, really the the things in life that can happen are, you know, can have financial impact. Yeah, and forget about even leaky condos. I mean, uh, present day kinds of things uh, that if you're in a strata and they need major improvements yeah. or it's a 25-year-old building and now it's time to replace the roof and the special assessment's going to be 10 grand. Well, 10 grand on a small family or a young family or even retired, Right. It's a challenge for sure. Yeah, it can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you know what I see a lot of the time is, is many of these folks they're managing just fine. You know, they maybe have a bunch of debt, but they're keeping up on all the minimums and things are okay. But there's one shock to the system, and then suddenly they can no longer make the minimums. And then you know they're over limit on one card, and it gets cut off, and they're moving money from one to another. And then the bank seizes some of their assets, so it can spiral downwards pretty quickly. Now I know that you see people take action before they come and see you. What are the mm-hmm. kinds of things that people do? Just is there a bit of a list for those? Yeah, so definitely, you know, everyone starts to look in, inward first. So they try to think, okay, well, what can I do to cut my expenses? So you know, the first thing, and we've asked all our clients about this, is you know they look at their housing expenses, but housing is very difficult to reduce. It's one, you know, one of the more fixed costs that you can deal with. Yeah, you can move, but in Vancouver these days, it's going to be pretty difficult sure. to get something to rent for lower than what you're paying now. So, you know, people look at cutting expenses, but then what they often do is they enlarge the problem and they make it worse because they borrow from friends and family. And then now suddenly, instead of having to let down MasterCard Visa and that, you've got to let down, you know, your brother, sister, parent, or whatever. Or just that stress of owing yeah, the money now, too, Exactly. Right? So, it, you know, in the short term, you think, okay, this money might get me through a little bit, but oftentimes they just become another creditor and you still have to deal with the issue in the end. But now you've got a family member that you're going to let down at, the, at that same time. So what can you do that would actually stop you from having a big debt problem and you've got a couple of these things going on. Expenses have risen and you're feeling very pinched. What's What are the kinds of things that are really positive, good things to do? You know, a couple of things you'd have to have done before the fact, right? Before the things happen. So the number one thing is just to protect yourself by having some savings. You know, best practice is anywhere from three to six months of expenses in a savings account that you never touch. So if you were unemployed, you could make all of your monthly bills for the next three to six months without any stress. Right. And so, we say that easily. And yeah. that's really challenging yeah. for a lot and, of folks. And who's got that? I'm who's, sorry, I don't have it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's exactly. very difficult. And I'm an expert here. So, yeah. you know, it's very difficult to save that amount of money because life intervenes. You know, what you can do when you're facing the storm is you can actively avoid making it worse. So, you know, oftentimes people will start to go to payday lenders. Um, you know, they'll go to other high interest rate lenders, you know, loan sharks or things like that. Again, they'll borrow from friends and family or they'll just put their head in the sand and they'll say, well, as long as I've got a credit limit here that's not at the max yet, I'm just going to keep using using that until I can't use it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of things. Lots of lots of good ideas. Of course, it's uh, this show is a great resource for you. We give you lots and lots of good information here. It's called Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scullin along with Blair Manton. For more information, check out the website sands-trustee.com. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.